There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town at the ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon. I apologize for my background. looks a little bit different. I mean, uh, this is coming to you live from Jupiter, Florida, ex- except straight out of Brooklyn, my, my co-host, retired NYPD Detective Phil Grimaldi, who's always coming to you from Brooklyn. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I see that you're doing well down in Florida. God bless. Well, you know, I'm trying to. Uh, we just got here Saturday, so uh, you know, it's a whirlwind of getting things done. Uh, but the um, the news world doesn't stop. The real crime stories doesn't stop, and this is a case that's been five and a half years old, and it's been, uh, I mean, amazing that they made an arrest in this. It's really yeah. when you think about it, it's uh, it's God's work. And they've done uh, they've done a brilliant, brilliant job with this case. And, um, you know, one of the things the police do when did on this case, which I think is fantastic, is they keep their mouth shut. I used to cringe all the time on the NYPD when the press would know intricate details of cases that we worked on right out of the box. And it truly, truly hurt the case. And that was the posture of the NYPD to be uh, transparent. And I thought that that was horrible that they did that. And you could probably name cases yourself that the press had the information before we did. And it was like, this is ridiculous. Why do they know these facts? Absolutely, Billy. And I think that a lot of times that could uh, derail an investigation. It's very dangerous to uh, release too much information. You know, uh, generally, we would like to use the uh, the press to uh, put out certain information. Sometimes we'd offer a reward or put out a videotape. That's when you utilize the press to help you in an investigation. Putting out too much information. And I think the fact that they were very closed-lipped on this case, and it remains that the uh, affidavit is still sealed, that they're very closed-lipped. I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, not everyone has the right to know all the details of an investigation uh, while it's going on, while it's taking place. You don't want to compromise the investigation, obviously. Now, they've made an arrest. They're going to move forward with the charges, and they're going to want to prosecute this guy uh they believe him obviously to be the perpetrator of this horrible crime and they want to get justice they want to put him in jail so again anything that's done that could compromise that very dangerous uh in prosecution so i think the posture that they're taking the uh indiana state police i think it's great that they're being type lip tight-lipped about i'm just so happy it did take five years but i'm happy that they apparently uh put enough evidence together to make this arrest well, the thing, the language they always use is that if it defends the ends of justice, that's when law enforcement needs to keep their mouth shut. The perpetrator, Richard Allen, is a pharmacy tech and a married father who is accused in the high-profile murders of the two girls, Abigail Williams and Liberty German. And let's just remember, uh, Abby was 13 years old five and a half years ago when this occurred, and Libby was 14. Allen, who is uh, also known as Ricky Allen, Rick Allen is 50 years old and lives in Delphi, about five minutes from the murder scene. His full name is Richard Matthew Allen. The 
The superintendent of Indiana State Police, Doug Carter, confirmed uh, in an October 31st, 2022 news conference that Richard M. Allen was arrested on two counts of murder in a notorious case. Carroll County Prosecutor Nicholas McClelland revealed that Allen has been charged with the slayings of Williams and German and called him a local guy. He said the charging document has been sealed. Allen, who was not on the radar as a suspect in the case publicly before his arrest, has already appeared at an initial hearing and entered a not guilty plea. He will be tried in March 2023. Uh, today is different. I do not want there to be any confusion or ambiguity about what I will say. Today is not a day to celebrate, but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is a step toward a conclusion in this long and complex investigation, uh, Carter said. Uh, that's that's referring to um, Doug Carter, the superintendent of, of police. He added last Friday was the day an arrest was made. Carter said the last Friday me, me being the 28th of October. Carter said the investigation will continue so that any other person could have been involved in the murders in any way will be held accountable. He said he hoped Allen's arrest would bring the girls' families a measure of peace. Uh, news first broke of Allen's arrest last Friday. Um, posts by family members of Liberty German quickly indicated something major was going on. At long last, we have a face to go with our mother, Oh, excuse me, with our monster, Libby's grandmother, Becky, Mark Chan, Patty wrote on Facebook after Alan's arrest uh, for Abigail, who was 13. This case was one of the most famous unsolved homicides in the Midwest. One of the girls reported a snippet of video of the suspected killer when they encountered a man walking on a bridge, and he could be heard mumbling down the hill. The case has spawned true crime groups and podcasts Many have worked to get justice for the two girls, knowing that they left behind a major clue to find the killer. Uh, in 2018, Alan's wife posted a photo of their daughter on the same bridge. Uh, uh, just unbelievable that, uh, and also a little tidbit is that Richard Allen helped search for the girls. You know, Phil, how we talk about sometimes the murder is, is in the crowd? Yes. How's that for you? Yeah, I guess, uh, uh, you know, things like that happen a lot of times in cases. And you've said many times that a lot of times at crime scenes, you would take photographs or video of the crowd. Uh, most uh, homicides that I worked on, if it was on the street, uh, we would jot down every license plate on that block in case a killer or killers uh, had visited the scene, left the car and was going to come back later for the vehicle, different things like that. So again, a lot of times you do have the uh, perpetrators of these crimes returning to the crime scene, joining in on searches. Uh, we've, we've seen that many times when uh, uh, cases where a, a husband kills a wife and then she's missing and he joins in on the search or vice versa, whatever it is. So yeah, uh, that's one of the factors in these cases. And again, uh, when you had those pictures of those two beautiful young girls on, I just want to say that uh, the families, uh, I know that they're never going to get closure, but uh, as that officer said, uh, the superintendent, Doug Carter, maybe a, a measure of peace. And he said that it wasn't a day to celebrate. I agree with him. But he si did say that he felt uh, a sense of peace come over him when the arrest was made. So again, this was not a cold case, Bill. This was a case that was being worked on. A cold case is something that 
all leads are exhausted and they put it on the side, so to speak, until something pops up. This sounds like this case was being worked on pretty regularly for the five-year period. And I guess the good work of the Indiana State Police, as well as all the other forensic laboratories that the uh, that the uh, superintendent mentioned and thanked, uh, were, were able to put together enough evidence to uh, secure an arrest in this case. Let me play a little bit of the... Um of the announcement of the arrest on the news. Uh, Breaking news tonight at six, an arrest of the unsolved Delphi murders case. Abby Williams and Libby German were killed five years ago in February of 2017. And tonight, a man is behind bars in connection with this case. We've got team coverage for you tonight at six. Arvind Lonecker has the background on this case. Rachel Krause is in Delphi with what she's learned about the man who was arrested. Oh, we're going to begin tonight at six with our Karen Campbell, who's live in the Carroll County Jail. She's got more on today's breaking update. Karen? His name is Richard Allen, uh, the man arrested in the Delphi murders of Abby Williams and Libby German. Uh, we were told that he is currently being held at the White County Jail for Carroll County. Now, the sheriff there could not release any more information on this. Uh, that's because of a press conference, a news conference that is scheduled well, on Monday. Uh, Indiana State Police, police along with uh, the Carroll County, County Sheriff's Office, uh, numerous other agencies, the, the Carroll County prosecutors, they're all going to be at this press conference again. Held Monday, they're going to announce this arrest in the Delphi murder case. Uh, also included in that, we've learned the U.S. Marshal Service will also be a part of this press conference. Uh, again, we, we don't know much now, only what the prosecutor's office would say, only what Carroll County Sheriff's would say. Again, that Richard Allen is in custody and Karen as well. Indiana State Police have been investigating this case for more than five years. They are the lead agency in this case. It was back in 2019 that State's Police Superintendent made a statement, and this was a statement made publicly, and it was directed at the girl's killer. To the killer, who may be in this room. Phil, let's say... 
Phil, that's a smart chief that said to the killer who may be in this room, this killer searched for these two girls, the very killer that murdered them searched for them. Absolutely. We believe you are hiding in plain sight. Now, this Delphi murders case is complex. Yes, our Emily Longnecker has been covering this ever since those two young girls disappeared back in 2017, right before Valentine's Day. And she's here now to break down some of the history of this case for us tonight. Emily, this has just been a heartbreaker. Yeah, and just watching that um, soundbite with Superintendent Carter, I remember being there that day, the day he said it, and the way... You know, the, the hair on people's arms really uh, stood up, and it is a complex case. Yeah. The murders of Libby Jervis and Abby Williams not only changed the lives of two families forever, they changed an entire community. Residents of Delphi, who had once felt safe letting their kids play outside alone, suddenly didn't and wondered if they'd ever feel safe again. It was supposed to be a walk in the woods shared by two friends. Abby Williams and Libby German had the day off from school that Monday in February 2017. So they went to this hiking trail near Delphi's Monon High Bridge. When the girls didn't return to the spot where they were supposed to be picked up, their families knew something was wrong. The following day, their bodies were discovered in a wooded area near the bridge. A day later, investigators released this image, taken by Libby German with her cell phone. The man police would eventually say they believed was the killer. A week later, the public heard for the first time the man in the picture's voice, via audio, police said Libby also captured of him speaking. In those first days, Indiana State Police and the FBI set up a command center in downtown Delphi, receiving thousands of tips. None of them, though, led to any arrests in the case. Five months later, police released this sketch, saying it was the face of the man from the bridge. Still, though, no arrests, as the families of Abby and Libby held on to one belief. Today's the day. And that's what they continued to tell themselves. Even two years later, when police released a second sketch of a much younger-looking suspect, along with video of the man on the bridge walking, and more audio. Still, there were no arrests. Now that changed today. We know from Indiana State Police sources that uh, police investigators have uh, arrested Richard M. Allen, 50 years old. Indiana State Police has scheduled a press conference for 10 a.m. on Monday. Unfold investigators will be meeting uh, with the family of Abby and Libby before that press conference will be there, of course. Yeah, it's such a, such a tough time for that right. community and those families. Yeah. Um, uh, Abby was uh, Anna Williams' only child, so only daughter. Um, and just, you know, over the years speaking with those families, they've been more than gracious always to, to yeah. speak to us every time that there was a memorial or a vigil just sharing their heart and vulnerability of that. Um, and it, it's just been um, a long, long road for these families. But they, they always said, today is the day. Yeah. They, they've never given up. They've always said, today is the day. So it looks like today mm -hmm. is finally the day. Yeah, and we'll find out more information uh, as we uncover it and, and police release it as well. And, uh, you know, those milestones, every birthday, every Christmas, every milestone for those families. Bill, could you pause it for a second? I want to make a point about the sketch. Now, uh, obviously, the, the sketches that were put out there uh, may or may not resemble the suspect. There's been cases before, like specifically the son of Sam, uh, uh, serial killer, 
none of the sketches really resembled him. And I think that that could be something why they were very tight-lipped about it, because these sketches come out, may not resemble the perpetrator. They could bring that up down the line in, uh, in court, and that could help in a defense to say, hey, look, look at my client and look at the sketches they put out. These uh, don't resemble my client. You know, Phil, rarely in any major case I've ever worked on was the sketch a ringer for the, the absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So it happens a, a handful of times. That's about it best. Yes. We're going to be covering the story throughout the night into the weekend. And certainly as we've been reporting over the last five years, this Delphi community has really rallied behind the victims of these two young girls. People have held vigils, conducted search efforts there in Delphi, fundraisers, and honored the lives of both of these girls, Abby and Libby. The community is supported and search for answers to these murders that really have plagued their city for five years. At noon today, family members of the victims posted a reaction to the news of the arrest online on social media. Here it is. This was from Twitter. Kelsey German thanked people who have supported her and her family in the search for justice for her sister Libby. She also ended the post with, as uh, Emily was referring to there earlier, today is the day. Becky Patty posted this picture today. It had the caption, today is the day. Becky happens to be Libby's grandmother. Now we're going to be live for Monday's news conference, getting this update from Indiana State Police, asking them questions that you want to know. You'll be able to watch that news conference live. Let me just remove this from the screen here. Sure. You know, one of the things that I just want to say, and again, Law enforcement doesn't frequently get a chance to um, spike the football. And when you listen to Superintendent Doug Carter, he didn't want to do that today. All these guys, was, well, I'll play some of the press conference later, were very spiritual. They were very, you know, thanking the Lord and, uh, you know, thanking uh, everyone from the public that assisted in this case, people that called the tips line, the hotline. When you get something as would seem to be almost like a smoking gun thing. Like uh, it was Libby who recorded the killer who believe, we believe is, is uh, Richard Allen on her cell phone. And he said that infamous sentence down the hill, those three words down the hill. Now people would just think, Oh, we must have the technology to match that voice to the recording. Oh, okay. But, now match that voice to a suspect, you know, that's out there. Where are we going to find this guy? You know, and four, five, five and a half years have gone by. And now on October 28th, 2022, they have made an arrest. And I just want to thank law enforcement. This was a national case, an international case. Every sleuth, every professional, every amateur sleuth, every YouTube content creator, has weighed in on this case. And guess what? The police kept their mouth shut, which I, I so applaud police when they do that, because that so, so helps the case. And even some major police departments don't take that advice. They get this craziness where they want to be, uh, you know, just tell the press everything. And that's not a good posture. 
Yeah, absolutely, Billy. And I think a lot of times uh, the public information officer, let's say, of the police departments, a lot of times they're, uh, they're, they're kind of separated from the investigators. They have their job to do to release information. Investigators have their job to do. And a lot of times, uh, you know, they may not, uh, you know, be on the same page, so to speak, and information is given out. Not a good thing. But, Billy, coming from you, uh, an experienced homicide investigator, almost 30 years on the job, 27, I believe. You were a, a homicide sergeant. For you to acknowledge that, that comes from a place of experience. I think I agree with you myself. We have to acknowledge that. This was a long, painstaking case. They got thousands and thousands of tips that all uh, were obviously followed, investigated, and led nowhere. Uh, we don't know exact um, uh, what they have, uh, you know, as far as the uh, evidence that they're, they're going to present to the grand jury and, and, and to move forward with the charges in this case. But we got a pretty good idea that they did uh, recover some things. There was the dig behind the perpetrator's house, we know, over the last week or so. So there may have been – and, they, and uh, it's being reported that two items uh, were recovered that they – tied to uh, the investigation. A lot of times these killers will take uh, what they call souvenirs. So perhaps there may have been uh, something like that. And again, one other thing about the video, very, very super important, super smart uh, for one of the children to record the suspect. The recording that they have, they believe is 43 seconds. They only released a few seconds. So again, we don't know what else is on that videotape and let's hope and pray that they can connect that uh, video recording to the perpetrator in this case. That'll be uh, very earth-shattering, I think, in a prosecution. And again, we don't know what other physical evidence was collected from uh, the dig in, uh, behind the uh, perpetrator's home. You know, Phil, I, I, again, like, we don't know. Five and a half years later, we don't know how the two girls were killed. I think that is fantastic that the police have never released that. I really do it. I think it helps their investigation so much when they do get a suspect, they do, do get someone to question, they do get witnesses to question. It's so important to keep that. And you don't need to have this transparency with the press. The press, from a law enforcement perspective, are there to be used. We're there to, you, we're there to use you to our ends to get a suspect and to get the public to cooperate, to get people to call the tips line, to get people to come in and talk to us. That's what we need the press for. We don't need the press to try the case. We don't need the press to give their opinions. But again, it's a it's sort of a give and take relationship. So law enforcement has to give a little bit to get a lot. That's a great point, Billy, because see what people might not understand about too much information going out. If you release too much information, you've given the perpetrator a head start on a defense. You also uh, you want to secure a confession in, in any murder case, obviously. So if you're holding back a lot of information and you get a person into the room that wants to make a statement or wants to be interviewed and now he doesn't know what you know, his answers, his or her answers may be different if they know what information the police know. So again, I want to keep as much information to myself as an investigator, a primary detective on, a, on an investigation. When I'm going to question someone or I'm going to do an interview, I want them to tell me information. And then I'm going to see what the information that I already know, if they're telling me the truth or if they're lying, then I can hit back with, well, we know this, we know that. So that's the thing that people really don't understand. And a lot of times the public information is so, so important. They kept a tight lip on this case. And I think that was great. That was a great posture for them to take on this case. 
Lee Perry, thank you so much for the four ninety nine you, Lee. sticker. They're coming in. Alicia B, thank you so much. The ten dollar hats off to law enforcement. Absolutely, we're their biggest supporters. We're, we're here to sort of highlight what they've done. The other thing is, is that when what Phil was talking about in holding stuff close close to your vest, a lot of times in these cases you get wackadoos coming in and want to want to uh, confess to things. And if they start telling you something you know not to be true, you could say the doors they get out of here. You're wasting my time. Whereas if you didn't hold anything back and the press released it, they could play you for a long time. And you guys know what it means to play somebody. And exactly. they waste your time beyond the belief. So if law enforcement withholds information and then you get these wackadoos invariably that you get all the time in these investigations, they start telling you something you know not to be true. You say, see the door? It says EXIT. Get the hell out of here. You know? And believe me, in an investigation like this, you don't want any of your time wasted. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like real crime stories from a police perspective, you're in the right place. And we just ask you, uh, if you would, subscribe to us. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. We also have a YouTube channel memberships with Canon. Five different levels. There's my hand. Five different levels. And you can join our YouTube and you see the folks with the green font. They're part of our, uh, our YouTube uh, channel members who support us. You know, folks, I'm going to play a little bit of the, of the um, press conference today. That was on earlier today. There's some real interesting points in that press conference too, Billy. I'm glad you're going to play some. There really is. And you know something, the, the, the chief, uh, the, the chief, or they call him the superintendent. Doug Carter. He's a very, uh, Doug Carter, he's a very, very spiritual guy, you know? And he's the one that said a while ago, the killer may be in this room right now. That was and, chilling. Yeah, and potentially he wasn't, but he had done something equally as chilling, and that was to search for the two girls. You, you know what he did? He got everyone's attention at that point. That was very, very smart. Uh, maneuver and it was it was a good thing a good thing to do during uh, a press conference. Unbelievable. Let's let's play this little. I don't know if I'm getting the sound right now. Hold it, folks. Stop sharing. Yeah, I don't know if you were getting sound. I, I wasn't. Let me let me put it back on there. Share the screen. There we go. This is, you got to realize, guys, I'm in Florida. This is all new to me now. It's a new setup. Dial 5, a major development in a case that has baffled a community and the entire nation for more than five years. There's word of an arrest in the February 2017 killing of two teenage girls from Delphi. It's an announcement that could finally bring some closure to several Greeting family. All right, so is in Delphi tonight with the breaking details. Rachel? Sources tell WRTV that a man has been arrested here in Carroll County. I'm told the sheriff will not be back into town until Monday. That's when the sheriff's office, Indiana State Police, and multiple agencies will be providing an update in the case that's grabbed international attention. The family tells WRTV it's hopeful. On social media, a sister said, quote, just know how grateful I am for all of you. She goes on to say no comments for now. The family will say more during Monday's press conference. 
families of 13-year-old Abby Williams and 14-year-old Libby German haven't given up. On February 13, 2017, the girls went for a walk in the woods near the Monon High Bridge. They were never seen alive again. On Valentine's Day of 2017, their bodies were found less than a mile from where they were dropped off the day before. What happened between the time they were dropped off and when their bodies were found has remained a mystery for years. We're hoping to get clarity about this on Monday. Indiana State Police, the lead agency on the case, says more than 50,000 tips have been called in or emailed during the past five years. Detectives have interviewed hundreds of people as well. This case has captivated the world, and those close to home say the girls haven't been forgotten. We've never forgotten them. Um, everybody's going to keep them in their minds forever. Uh, the park will show that as it continues to grow. Um, and we just hope when the case ends that, you know, nobody will ever forget the two. Indiana State Police say the case has never gone cold because investigators haven't given up. On Monday, the update will be at 10 a.m. and WRTV will be carrying this live for you at the Delphi United Methodist Church. Reporting in Delphi, I'm Rachel Wilkerson, WRTV. Rachel, thank you. And our team coverage continues as our WRTV investigates team has been working the phone since the news broke today. I've been covering this story since day one. And the big question tonight and going into the weekend is what led to the arrest? Remember, this case has had a reward. These posters everywhere in Delphi, across the country, across the world, with a reward totaling more than $325,000. And until now, a lot of rumors, Nicole, but no arrests. So how was the family informed today? The families of Libby German and Abby Williams have been supportive of law enforcement since day one. The families adopted the slogan, today is the day to keep the hope alive and to also keep this case front and center. Now, sources tell me authorities shared the news of the arrest with the family about two days ago. Raphael, what do we know about the man in custody? Tonight? So many questions about who is this guy. The man had a court hearing today, my sources tell me. As Rachel mentioned, no information was made public about him or the hearing that was held today. I can tell you that the man is from Delphi. And since day one, investigators did believe that the person responsible for the deaths of these girls was local, from right there in the city of Delphi. So it appears that this guy was walking among his neighbors while wanted posters went up around the city of 3,000 and around the world. So how is it possible that this guy has just gone unnoticed for nearly six years now? That is the baffling thing. Remember the guy seen walking on that bridge, of course, where the girls encountered was dressed and looked like many of the guys, of course, and how we dress here in Indiana. So that made things somewhat confusing. Sources tell me the guy in custody does resemble the picture and sketch initially released by police. What made this case difficult is that people would randomly, right, they would post pictures of men with beards, men that would wear a blue coat, just pictures of men in general. That just generated a lot of speculation and generated a lot of bad tips, which meant police, every time someone called, had to go back to find out who is this guy and why are people talking about him? And so that made things even worse. And Raphael, I know over the last five years, you've done countless amounts of stories with this family. How have they expressed their sadness with you, but also found a way to honor the girls? These folks are strong. Yeah. They, they are the face of courage. They've come together as families. Mm -hmm. The Patties, the Germans, the Williams families have put their heart and soul in building a memorial park in honor of the girls. We've seen the images of the park. The park has come alive. Both Abby and Libby were planning to play softball for their school. The Memorial Park, as you can see, is up and running and has already hosted several tournaments in their honor. The park will also be a place for concerts and other artistic events 
Every year, the family hosts a golf game to raise money to maintain the fields. I have a chance to work the 18th hole to help them raise the money. It is always a great time. We always have that fundraiser in August. We had it this year. Hundreds of people showed up and thousands were raised to maintain those fields. And another big case here in Indiana, the Delphi case always brings to life what happened in Carroll County and Flora. Well, Phil, pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, I just want to show this comment uh, and think about it for a second. Could you imagine working next to him day after day? Find this out. Yikes. Aunt BB Toe. Think about that. This this guy for five years has been living a life, going through every day, and he was obviously a murderer. And uh, I'm sure that the police, the investigation is uh, going to really be digging deep into his uh, his past, his uh, social media, obviously, uh, you know, uh, cell phone, uh, see if his cell phone was... Uh, you know, anywhere is near that crime scene at the time. I don't know if they could go back that far, but perhaps they can, or if they did previously, if they had him in the, uh, in the, uh, you know, in the, uh, yeah, I guess we'll call him a person of interest at that time. They had him in their sights. But uh, again, there was another person that was considered a possible person of interest in this, where the uh, body was uh, bodies were found. The owner of the property was considered a, a person of interest at one point. Uh, I think he was cleared. Eventually, he passed away. So again, there was uh, a lot of different things going on in this case over the years. But that comment about him... Uh, you know, uh, living and walking amongst uh, everyone else in the population. That's a scary thought. You know, folks, he, this guy was not a pharmacist. He was like a pharmacist a clerk or assistant. Technician, so he, maybe. Yeah. Technician. Yeah. He was not a pharmacist. So a pharmacist, which is heavy duty educated. The other interesting thing is that uh, the police did release the fact he did not have a criminal history. Is that, you know, sometimes people go from no criminal history to a double murder that that can yeah, I believe Ted Bundy had no criminal history if I'm not mistaken yeah so and you know when we talk about murders and some of the things that are uh historic information on murders for example when we talk about geographic profiling what does that mean well I think in this case the detectives knew and they used geographic profiling they knew and they pretty they were pretty sure that this person when he was caught was going to be from this area he knew the area he knew uh that little those little railroad tracks he knew down the hill he knew where that was so exactly when you talk about geographical profiling that helps the investigators because instead of having the investigation you see my arms are putting way out here my arms spread all the way out you can have the investigation in here in a certain geographic area and that helps the investigators and that's one of it. the other thing i thought and i don't know for a fact if it was used was there any use of familial dna in this case we don't know they they must have dna in this case and guess what if they do it wasn't on file because he's never been arrested unless he freely gave up his DNA to one of those those sites, 23andMe or whatever it's called, those those genetic sites. Ancestry, yeah. Yeah, Ancestry. Other than that, his DNA is not in CODIS, the combined DNA identification system that is held by the FBI. His DNA, he's never been arrested. It's not there. So did DNA come into play in this investigation? We'll find that out down the road. But guess what? 
again, the police are being closed now. And they're not telling. The other thing is, and I want to bring it up, and I listened to Duty Ron and Ed Wallace today, and I listened to some of their show the other day. I'm stealing some of their stuff here and there. Um, there potentially could be another suspect. So that's another reason law enforcement wants to keep their mouth shut and not go running at the mouth because if there is another suspect out there, suspect or suspects, they want to keep they want to keep their mouth closed lipped and keep it close to the vest. I'm very uh, almost convinced that yes, there's going to be physical evidence, whether it be DNA, blood, whatever, based on the fact that during the press conference he specifically named uh, you know crime scene lab people uh, agencies and thank them. So again, uh, the items that were recovered at that dig and don't forget, even though it's five years, evidence could have been recovered off of the bodies. Now, like you said, Billy, there was no DNA match in, in uh, CODIS because of the fact he was never arrested. But now that they have him, they can force him to submit to a DNA uh, sample and they can compare it to the evidence that was recovered back in 2017. You know, Phil, now you can work backwards and not, exactly. you know, a lot of times people from the public, people say, oh, now he's arrested. You can relax. No, we cannot relax. Now the second phase of this comes to fruition and we got to prepare for a trial. That's we right. got to prepare for a case because guess what? Richard Allen is innocent to proven guilty. Now law enforcement, the district attorney's office, all the, the investigators have to build a case that is airtight and will put this guy in prison for the rest of his life. Absolutely. And, and or given the death penalty. Apparently, Indiana has the death penalty. You, you know, Billy, it's being reported that the crime scene was staged. Uh, they believe that to be true. So, again, during the staging, he could have had uh, an exchange of, uh, you know, DNA, touch DNA, whatever. So that's one part of it. They're talking about it being a possibly bloody crime scene, which I hate to even mention. But th these are the facts of th some of the things that are being uh, reported in the news. So, again, all of those things uh, will play into a prosecution. And I am sure that uh, the district attorney's office or the prosecutor's office uh, in Indiana has been working closely with uh, the investigators on this case, perhaps to give uh, search warrants and different things like that. Obviously they did the dig. They had to get a warrant for that. So uh, again, you're going to work hand in hand with your prosecutors. Like you said, Billy, right now is not the time to relax. Now is the time to continue to dig into this case. There could possibly be someone else involved. Very good point, Billy. And again, you want to have as much evidence that you can to build a case so that when you do go to trial, you can secure a, a conviction of uh, uh, the murder of these two young, beautiful little girls. This uh, is the press conference that played uh, a little more than an hour ago. Let's play some of it here. We will not discuss evidence that is related to this investigation. Smart. On behalf of the Delphi Double Homicide Task Force, thank you all for your continued support. I would now like to introduce to you our first speaker, Superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter. Seldom do I have prepared remarks, but today is different because I do not want there, be, there to be any... It's a little low, Billy. I don't know if you want to raise it. Okay. I think that's the way he's talking. Today is not a day to celebrate. 
but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is sure a major step in leading to the conclusion of this long-term and complex investigation. First, I'd like to speak directly to Anna, Mike, Becky, Kelsey, your extended families, along with the entire Delphi community that certainly has grown and now includes our nation and even many countries around the world. I am proud to report to you that today, actually last Friday, was the day. And an arrest has been made. Thanks to literally hundreds of media outlets that have been steadfast in reporting and keeping the memories of Abby and Libby front and center. Many of you in the room have developed relationships with me personally, and you know I always have a personal perspective, and today's no different. But from a very personal perspective, you have provided, you all have provided inspiration and support, even while oftentimes frustrated with us and me. You continue, but you continue to encourage the efforts, and you too believe that one day we would all be here participating and sharing this news. To the entire law enforcement community, which includes all local, state, and federal agencies, which are far too many to specifically mention today, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are going to continue a very methodical and committed approach to ensure that if any other person had any involvement in these murders in any way, that person or persons will be held accountable. Since the murders of Abby and Libby 2,086 days ago, the daily investigative team has worked tirelessly and is certainly worthy of mention today. Specifically, Sheriff Lindsenby, Sheriff of Carroll County, Detectives Tony Liggett, Detective retired Kevin Hammond, former Delphi Chief and now the Prosecutor's Investigator Steve Mullins, State Police First Sergeant Jerry Holman, Detectives Jay Harper, Dave Vito, and Brian Harshman, along with members of the United States Marshal Service, specifically Agent Jeremy Clinton and Agent Bill Colfers. With them today is Dan McLean, the U.S. Marshal, appointed U.S. Marshal. Our State Police Analyst, our scientist from many different disciplines within our laboratory division, Mrs. Kathy Shank, for your incredible dedication to detail and to so many others that I know I've missed. I really believe that Abby and Libby would be proud of you for standing strong, even in the face of immense pressure and perpetual criticism. Some of these individuals have postponed retirement, passed on promotional opportunity, have dedicated personal time away from their families, given up nights, weekends, and holidays, all while in the pursuit of accountability 
grabbing living. I know that today's announcement will not diminish your resolve, and I hope you have found just a bit of peace in this most complicated world. This is really important. While I know you are all expecting final details today concerning this arrest, today is not that day. Today is not that day. This investigation is far from complete, and we will not jeopardize its integrity by releasing or discussing documents or information before the appropriate time. Prosecutor Nick McClellan, of course, will share additional information about what we can and cannot say, and also explain to you why the probable cause affidavit is temporarily sealed by the court and not available. And by the way, he has been a tremendous, tremendous asset to this team. I'm yet again asking you for your patience and please your understanding while our system of due process works. Also remember that all persons arrested are presumed innocent. All persons arrested are presumed innocent. You all will have an innate desire to subjectively interpret and then report what you think. We in the law enforcement realm cannot, and you should never allow us to, talk about what we think concerning facts, but rather discuss and share at the right time what it is we know. The time will come when additional details can be released, but again, today is not that day. It's about Abby and Libby, their families in this community, this nation, and even our planet. The prosecutor has been very clear with law enforcement about what his expectations are, about what can and cannot be released, shared, or discussed. So we will, of course, comply. If you choose to be critical of our silence, be critical of me. Not the front line. These are the folks that have committed their entire lives to a successful conclusion. In other words, a guilty verdict. As we move to the next phase of this investigation, I will continue to offer all resources that the ISP has to not only the investigative team I anticipate growing, but also to Prosecutor McClellan as we prepare for the coming months. Again, Nick has been very resolute and very clear, and I'm most grateful uh, for, for, his, for his leadership. And I, I, it's going to be really important as we move forward. Please continue offering tips that you would like to share. The many avenues to report will remain open and will be available to all. Please continue doing that. In closing. Bill, could you pause it for just a second? I stand before you. I just want to make a point about what he just said. That's so important. Now that this perpetrator has been arrested, people might have memories of things that took place in the past regarding this perpetrator, whether they be friends, relatives, associates, coworkers. 
that's going to be very, very important to add on to the evidence in this case. And then I think he also made the point that this case was never called. There's dedicated detectives and investigators that put off retirement and put off promotion, as he said. So again, this was never a cold case. It's been been worked on every day since it took place back in 2017. I think that's a very important point to make. You know, I, I just also wanted to say that um, this silence to me is the mark of professionalism. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's so much more difficult for law enforcement to take this posture of being silent and not being transparent with the press. It's easy to give stuff to the press. It's difficult to withhold uh, information. And they with they have withheld some of the most important investigatory information that is very difficult. You know, uh, the press can always hit you with a FOIL request. And of course, that's a freedom of information law. And then that goes to a judge and the judge decides whether you get the information or not. And I don't know if they've had to fight any FOIL requests or they've had any uh, sent by the media to get certain documents. But I think, in my opinion, it is the mark of professionalism for law enforcement to withhold investigatory information in a big case like this and can only help the case in the end. I agree, Brian. In this church and very place where we held our first briefing nearly six years ago and just hours after the murders of Abby and Libby. Right here. Pulling in today, I wasn't really sure what emotion I would I would experience. But peace came over me. I didn't expect that to happen. And I hope all of you, with all the different responsibilities you have from around the planet today, have felt some of that as well. But remember, we're not done. I think what we all have experienced proves that together there's nothing we cannot do. But more importantly, giving of ourselves, all of us, all of us, giving of ourselves matters more than what we could ever receive. Abby and Libby, though in death, have had a profound effect on so many of us, on how we live, and as importantly, who we all should be. I would now like to introduce to you my friend and the Carroll County Sheriff, Tom Lesby, for his remarks. I believe in a God of justice and righteousness. Today, I believe that same God has provided us with justice for Abby and Libby. As Sheriff of Carroll County, Indiana, 
I want to publicly and sincerely thank each individual who played a role in helping us during this five and a half year investigation. Whether it was in an investigative capacity, providing tips, cards or letters of suggestions or encouragement, phone calls, and thousands of other countless ways of communicating. I earnestly thank those who prayed for this moment in time. We now move forward through the Indiana criminal justice system, allowing the system to provide its due diligence and process in providing that justice which is owed Abby and Libby, their families, and this community. Thank you. Welcome everybody. My name is Nicholas McClellan. I'm the Carroll County Prosecutor. And before we get started, I want to reiterate some of the things that Sheriff Lesenby and Superintendent Carter stated. I first want to thank both of them. They've been a great support to my office throughout this investigation. They've always been there for a phone call and always been willing to help a hand or a line of assistance to me and my office uh, during this investigation. I want to thank the team behind me. This is the Homicide Task Force team that we've put together. Uh, thank them and thank their families for being so understanding for the many nights they've worked away from their families, away from their children. There are many dates in a lifetime that you're going to remember. The date your children are born, the date you're married, the date you buy a first house, the date Abby and Libby went missing. One of those dates was last Friday, October 28, 2022. At that time, we had gathered evidence to formulate a PC that we submitted to the court, and the judge did find probable cause for an arrest of Richard Allen. He's been charged with two counts of murder for the murder of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. This investigation is still very ongoing. We're keeping the tip line open, the tip email open. We encourage everybody to continue to call in tips, not only about Richard Allen, but about any other person that you may have. For that reason and for the nature of this case, the probable cause and the charging information has been sealed by the court. I've been very clear to everybody that per the court order, we cannot talk about the evidence that's in the probable cause or the evidence that's in the charging information. That will become evident to you at some point and it will be released, but right now is not that day. Today's about Abby and Libby, focusing on them. Mr. Allen has had his initial hearing. He's in a preliminary plea of not guilty. Matter's been set for a pretrial on January 13th at 9 a.m. 2023 and a trial date of March 20th, 2023 at 9 a.m. He is presumed innocent. We will have an opportunity and day in court when we can present the evidence that we have against him. But until that day, he is presumed innocent. I want to open up to a few limited questions from the audience. But again, keep in mind, we are not going to talk about the evidence that we have in this case or about the charging information. We cannot. Those things have been sealed by the court. And so I want to open up a few questions.
Well, I'm not going to go to the questions. Uh, you can see how carefully they all spoke about this case. They're still being very careful. Uh, they wouldn't even talk about the probable cause warrant that resulted in the arrest of Richard Allen. They wouldn't have talk. They wouldn't talk about the accusatory uh, instrument. All they say about that is he has been charged with two counts of murder. Um, they're being very, very careful. He was very measured when he said that uh, we're still taking tips on this investigation as we do with any other investigation. But they're being very, very careful. I, I mean, could you imagine, Phil, working in a task force for five and a half years and the singular goal of making an arrest on the savage who killed these two young girls? And then on October 28th, 2022, based on an investigation that, that had been ongoing since uh, February 13th, 2017. I know no one now can spike the football or jump up and down and say hurrah, but there's got to be a closeness with the folks that are in that investigation. This press conference almost seemed spiritual, almost seemed religious in its perspective. And I can understand, uh, you know, these were the lives of two young girls that were taken from them at the ages of 13 and 14. And now, hopefully, we got the right guy. Absolutely, Billy. And I think, uh, as you pointed out, it's a long, arduous task to investigate such a crime. They for obviously formed a task force. And when you get to the point where you can now be confident in the fact that you found the person that's responsible for it and make that arrest and now move forward to prosecution as an investigator, that's almost euphoric. I mean, you, you've gotten to the point that you have now made your investigation uh, come to the point where you can make an arrest and proceed with with a uh, uh, you know charges on this case. And again, uh, whoever the investigators are that have this task, that have this uh, responsibility to get justice for this family, they now are at that point where they they're confident they made an arrest. So again, you you do have a, a sense of relief, I guess, as the uh, 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 superintendent pointed out. And I guess all the investigators, listen, like you said, it's no time to spike the football. We're not going to celebrate about this, but all that hard work that was put into this investigation has now come to fruition. And we're seeing uh, the fruits of the labor uh, of this investigation. And let's just hope that everything remains going in a positive direction, which it seems to be. And again, I think that you have to read a little between the lines here. They're talking about a possible other perpetrator. And I think that whether or not that person is involved in the actual murders is yet to be seen if there is somebody. But also, uh, you know, when the world started to close in on this guy, perhaps he uh, enlisted the help of someone else to get rid of evidence. That's criminal in, in nature. So, again, uh, anyone that aided this uh, scumbag in what he did. Uh, could be held accountable and charged as a uh, an accomplice to it. So, again, I think that that's very, very important. Keep the tips coming in. And anybody that saw something suspicious in and around this guy's life over the last five and a half years uh, or before, uh, if you have a piece of information, bring it to the authorities. Let them uh, decipher whether or not it's uh, uh, important to this investigation. You know, Phil, in five and a half years, babies are born, people die. People get married, daughters get married, sons get married, people get college degrees, people get law school degrees. Life goes on, you know, life goes on. And for all these investigators, they undoubtedly had all the things that I'm talking about happen in their lives, within their lives, to people in their lives. 
but yet they kept the singular mindset of capturing and building a case against the guy or guys who killed these two young girls. And for that, we as the public are forever uh, grateful to them of their work. Phil, I want you to do a quick little uh, commercial break. Joe Murray, attorney at law, have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702, or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe is a great friend of Police Off the Cuff, a big supporter. He's a terrific uh, trial attorney, and I'm sure that if he was present today, he'd have some very pertinent uh, comments on this case specifically. Bill, you got no video. I got it back on. I keep turning it off because I don't want to feed back. You know, Phil, we're going to stay with this case. This, this, I didn't really cover this case, the investigation of it, but it's so, so uh, interesting. And we don't know what other twists and turns that this case is going to take as we move forward. And it's, I mean, I think most people that have followed this case are actually euphoric. That I, I, I've read some people in the chat saying, oh, how, why did it take so long? <laughs> you know, for that, I pull my hair out, the hair I don't have on my head anymore. Like, why did it take so long? You know, well, you know, it was a very complicated investigation, you know. It's not, you just, don't just pick out someone and say, oh, you did it. They got to. He didn't leave evidence. his calling card at the scene of the crime, obviously. And again, we did have that video. But like you said in the beginning of this broadcast, Billy, just because you have a video or an audio, who do you match it up to? Guy's never been arrested and stuff. And again, these things do take time. You can see, based on the press conference and the information that they give out, this was a long very, very involved, arduous task by these investigators. And like I said in the beginning, it was not a cold case. They worked on it for the whole five and a half years. And sometimes it takes this long to get justice. But thank God we're here where we are today that we do have an arrest and we feel confident that there's going to be a successful prosecution at this point. Phil, I think that's uh, basically we covered all we can cover today. Again, we're going to stay with this case. Right now, I'm live from Jupiter, Florida. Phil, you have any last words before we... uh... Last words. I'm just happy that the family did get some, uh, maybe a measure of peace in this case. Obviously, you're never going to get over losing a child. There's no closure in those type of situations. However, there is a component where we can go to bed tonight, put our head on the pillow, and and hopefully the family can do the same and know that uh, the person that's responsible for it as far as the police are, uh, and investigators and prosecutors are concerned, is now in custody. So that is some measure of peace for the family, I guess. God bless these two young ladies and their families. They were beautiful young children that didn't deserve what happened. But now we're going to try and get justice. And I hope that uh, those families do feel a little bit of comfort. And again, one last thing, big hat tip to the investigators in this case. They never dropped the ball. They kept moving forward. And because of their efforts, we now have an arrest and we're going to go forward with a prosecution. You know, absolutely, folks. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, This is the Delphi case. And we're going to stay with it as this case moves forward. Have a great day and God bless. Stay safe, everyone. One episode.
Just sitting in the door.